With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the NUFC Blogcast. My name's Ed, your host. I'm here with Ollie, the editor of NUFCblog.co.uk, as usual. Today, there's loads to talk about yet again. The winners and losers from the USA, the Seller Cup weekend that's on the horizon, the ballot backlash, Man United expose FFP issues, and there's positive signs on Livermento. Add into that the usual poll of the week, Twitter questions, and FYI, man, and we've got a stellar episode coming up on the NUFC Blogcast. <laughs> So, Ollie, hello. How are you? Back from holiday, and you're a little bit under the weather. Yeah, it was. I can't lie. It was a really nice, really nice break in general. But over the last few days of the holiday, my wife got food poisoning, and I wasn't very well. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a grim end to a really nice week. So I've got a bit of a sore throat, and I'm a bit knackered. But I'm back, and uh, I want to say as well, hats off to Joel last week. He did a really good job on the Transfer Talk podcast. So big thanks to Joel, and I really enjoyed listening to it. I was. Not to not to rub it in, but I was sat on a beach in Turkey listening in, and I thought, yeah, it was a really good episode. So, so yeah, big thanks to Joel for that. Yeah, thanks a lot to Joel. But you're back, even though you're ill, you're on here. You're not going to let the people down. We need your expert advice every week. Let's get started with the winners and losers from the USA. Obviously, this Premier League Summer Series seems to have been a bit of a success, really. It was quite quite good, wasn't it? Um, who were the winners? Who were the losers? Go for it, Ollie. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's worth saying here that when I was over in Turkey, I was having to set alarms at about, I think the first game was, well, I can't, actually, you know, I can't even remember the times, but I know Turkey's two hours beyond the time in England. So if it was a late start for fans in England watching it, it was even later for me, but I still set my alarms and I was there watching it. I'm not sure my wife was too happy that there was my laptop screen was there at 4, 4 a.m. in the morning. But yeah, it was really good to see them in action. And I think as well, it's really good to have a high level opposition over pre-season because yeah, it's, it's good, quite often it? the case that you play a lot of sort of small teams from Europe or you have games against lower league teams in the EFL and you can hammer them and it can be fun to watch sort of high score lines, but it's not always a good exercise from, seems from like a we've sort of point of view. Yeah, moved up the gears. We went Gateshead, then Rangers and then Premier League teams. It seems to have yeah seems to exactly, make sense yeah. what, what we've done. Yeah. But yeah, I thought I'd just note down some of the players who I thought stood out and some of the positives and then 
some of the players who, for one reason or another, maybe didn't have as good a camps in the USA based on the three games we played. So, so yeah, so for the winners, I think the biggest one to start with has got to be Elliot Anderson. I mean, he scored the oh, goal against yeah. Villa, which was a lovely finish. I mean, ball in behind from Murphy, and he didn't panic. He sat the defender down, and nice finish past Martinez. And then, obviously, didn't play against Chelsea, but then against Brighton, obviously, those those two goals to get the win. But that last goal, it was so impressive the way... I mean, Eddie Howe said this, but to be in the 90-odd, 90-second minutes of a preseason match, and God knows how warm it was in America, and he was there. He, sh- he shrugged off the centre-back after a long run and kept his head, and it was a really nice finish. So it's not just the fact that he scored... He's our top scorer in preseason with, what, four goals and four starts and quite a few assists too. But to see him play against Premier League opposition and look so fit, so strong, but also be delivering it in the final third, getting those goals, it's a really good, really promising signs. I mean, I know Eddie Howe said when the players first came back for preseason training that Anderson was the by far the, the best in all of the fitness tests they did and he came out on top. So that's that's a really promising signs that he's went away over the summer and kept himself in really good shape and not just being at his best physically, but obviously from a technical point of view, he scored those goals and he looked really quality, didn't he? Not just in his goals, but he's pressing as well. He just looked perfect. He for just looks so fit. Yeah. yeah, 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 perfect. And uh, really exciting for him. And it's interesting that Eddie Howe said after the, get, after the uh, summer series, didn't he? He said... He hasn't picked his team for Villa. He absolutely hasn't. When asked about Eddie, when mm. asked about Anderson, so whether 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 we see Eddie Howe do something similar to Tonali that he did with Botman and Isak, where they start on the bench, new signings, and kind of get get introduced that yeah. way, and Anderson starts on the right side of midfield. Who knows? It, it could yeah, happen. I mean, it, w- it wouldn't be the strangest thing to happen. The thing, I mean, I, I think we mentioned before recording that we're going to do in next week's podcast, we're going to do a predicted lineup for the Villa game. But one thing I would say is, as things stand, I actually think Anderson is going to start against Villa on the basis that. To, like you say, Tonali's new to the team, new to the league. You've got Longstaff and Willock who haven't actually featured in preseason, which we'll talk about in a bit, who may not be up to speed for the Villa game. So if you mix that with the fact Anderson's been so good, it wouldn't surprise me if he plays. But but yeah, moving on to the next winner from preseason, I think one of them has to be Lewis Miley. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was the best every player time on the he plays, Chelsea. Every time he plays, yeah. he looks he looks great. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think his one start was against Chelsea and he was up against Enzo Fernandez, who cost Chelsea a hundred and odd million and he was the best player on the pitch there. He's like he's like calm, composed. He covers the ground so well for, for how tall he is. He's quite like elegant as well. He looks so smooth on the ball and and also athletic as well. I mean, you sometimes get tall players who they've got height and, and power, but they're not, they're not so elegant on the ball. But he actually looks quite a... He's quite nice to watch in the way he turns with it and and uh, like I say, as an athlete too, he seems to really cover the ground well. And he's going to have to fill out a bit. I think he's probably about already about six two, six three, but he might fill out a little bit. But it, technically and physically, in terms of his fitness, he's really impressive. It's funny because and... he, he's huge, but he's got the face of like a ten year old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really does look. He's well. I say he looks his age. He looks even younger, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. But, so yeah. But yeah, and even his cameos against Villa and Brighton. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Brighton game, but that turn and pass he did to play. He kind of sold the entire Brighton midfield with one like pirouette and then shifted the ball to his right foot and played a lovely pass out to Murphy, who didn't make the most of it. But it was such a like decisive and quality bit of play. And it just he just looks like he's got sort of composure beyond his years, doesn't he? But it's yeah. early days with him, but you can you can really tell that he's he's so talented. And I think he seems like quite a grounded character too, like from what I've read and also when you hear him speak in interviews, you get the feeling he's gonna take things in his stride and not get ahead of himself and I think obviously Eddie Howe said he won't loan him out because he wants to keep him within the group and 
keep him learning, but also thinks that it might be too soon to send him out on loan. Because let's just say he went out to a championship club and had to pack his bags and, and move down south, let's just say, for a year. That might not be the best for him at this stage of his career. So, so yeah, it'll be exciting to see bits from him um, next season, whether that's the odd game in the Premier League or Cup starts or anything like that. But yeah, he was he was really good. Yeah, no, he was really good. And he's, he, I mean, it's exciting. I think we talked about it last week, like his best, you know, chance is um, of developing is, is is in our squad. We do not want to send him away on loan uh, and he yeah. doesn't play. But we said that last week. Yeah, so exactly. the winners, any any more winners? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go through this a bit more quickly. So I think Anthony Gordon, he kind of, we saw how good he was against Rangers in that friendly a few weeks back, but in the, in the USA, when he did play, I thought he looked pretty confident, direct and much fitter as well. He obviously said at the end of last season that he wasn't quite fit enough, but he, he stood out to be sort of quite fit. I thought over the, the games in the US and I think his assist for Amaron against Chelsea was quality as well. He obviously carried it down the left, cut in and played a really nice pass that just split the defense and then put Amaron in behind. And then on the subject of Amaron, he, it's more, it's more sort of one moment than, than essentially him been impressive over the entire tour but that goal against Chelsea in itself was he's got to be classed as a winner for that goal I mean going back to Atlanta the, the club he was made a name for himself at in, in America and then scoring with like a it's almost a trademark trademark Amron goal that isn't it when he yeah. opens his foot up and just slides it in yeah um yeah. so Amron he, as he, well, he did what then... four or five four or five of them last season didn't they or two or yeah three I mean he's, his goal against Rangers a few weeks ago was very similar wasn't it um yeah but yeah, a few others. I mean, Nick Pope, it was his first appearance since the nil-nil draw with Leicester in May. He's actually had like had surgery on his finger. He was kept dislocating it, apparently. So he made three or four really good stops against Chelsea and was solid against Brighton. I thought Harrison Ashby was really good against Matoma in the main against Brighton. I know he got done by him for the goal, but when you're playing against one of the Premier League's most sort of dangerous one-on-one wingers, I thought he was quite impressive to be sticking to his task he was quite aggressive strong in the tackle and then on the ball he looks composed and has a really nice right foot as well so I know he's heading to Swansea on loan but there was positive signs from him and then the last one I think who's worth mentioning would be Harvey Barnes he, the first thing I think to say is that the fact he didn't play a minute for Leicester over pre-season but immediately arrived in in the US and then went straight into the well he didn't start but he played against Villa and then played uh, was in from the start and played I think the full 90 against Brighton so not only is it good from a fitness point of view that he was able to come straight in, I thought he looked very direct and quite strong and positive on the ball. He showed like his ability to cut in on his right foot and get shots away, but also go on down his left and get crosses into the box. So, so yeah, I thought obviously we haven't seen, it's only a glimpse, a glimpse so far of Barnes, but I thought he was our biggest threat in that first half against Brighton. And like I say, positive to see him um, play the full 90 so early into his like, time in Newcastle. It's interesting, yeah. I suppose it's because they're getting minutes, but these players, young players like Miley Barnes and um, Anderson, they're the ones who've had the, the good preseason, isn't it? And it's it's interesting that it's not, you know, one of the first teams from last season who's excelled, although they have, yeah. you know, they've been, they've been great. But it, the, the people we're all talking about are players that weren't in the first team last season, and that's great. It's showing yeah, we've got strength and depth, and it's yeah. uh, it's very very good with the Champions League on the horizon and playing. What you know, well, fifty games next season, hopefully. So, so yeah. Because they're like they're sort of that like a new signing phrase. Sometimes a bit tedious, but it is true that if Gordon really steps up, if Barnes sort of becomes that consistent winger who could deliver goals and assists, if you have Anderson and Miley as options when Willick or Joe Linton or Longstaff aren't fit, then like you say, you can almost say it's like a new signing because there weren't players we we really used to any degree last season. So, so yeah. But as for the 
the losers, this is a brief one, but Longstaff and Willock, neither of them featured in any of the games. How said why, that why is that? Still... Is, there, is, is there a reason? Yeah, go on. Yeah, so Willock picked up a hamstring injury towards the, it was the final few games of last season. And obviously he's still recovering from that. I think hamstring injuries are always a bit dicey like that. And I think he's still recovering. Then with Longstaff, he did play against Gateshead and I think he played a bit against Rangers as well. But it seems that he's got a niggling injury. How didn't name the injury, but it said it's a niggling injury that he wants to get back to 100% before he, he plays him again, just so he's completely over the injury. So right. I think with those two, it's a shame that neither of those have played yet. And I think even if they do feature a little bit this weekend in the, the Seller Cup, I'm, I'd be surprised if either started against Villa just because of, I mean, especially Willock, he hasn't kicked a ball in pre-season. So it's a shame that two of our midfielders who started regularly last season are sort of playing catch-up with injuries. But hopefully we get to see them this weekend. Another loser, I guess you could say, is Fabian Shaw. He limped off against Chelsea with a, an injury. Well, I say an injury. Eddie Howe said he just felt tightness in his hamstring and he's hoping it's nothing, but he's meant to be having a scan. And it's just a bit worrying, isn't it? Because we've said quite a lot on the podcast that if, if Shaw's injured, we haven't got a natural backup option to him who in terms of a ball player. And obviously that might focus minds a little bit and get us to sign a right-sided centre-back, which we needed already. But that was a bit of a worry to see Shaw limp off. Um, I think Tonali, I, I, I don't, it sounds a bit harsh saying he's like one of the losers from the US tour, but I think he did struggle physically a little bit against Villa was shrugged off the ball by Buendia in the build-up to their first goal, I think. But at the end, and he was a bit quiet against Chelsea in the first half. Then when he was moved to sort of a deeper, like number six position in the second half, he looked better. But he's still adapting to the sort of intensity of Premier League games and it's a new team. And so I, I don't think that's one to be concerned about. It's, it's not just probably to fair to say. Right yeah, he's just... No, not at all. Um, I mean, against Rangers, he showed a lot of his quality in that first half. It's just, I guess it's another good reason to play Premier League teams in pre-season that he gets a taster of the intensity and he can yeah. use the next two weeks to build up to that. Um, I'm actually almost certain. I know we're going to do our Aston Villa teams next week. I'm almost certain Tenali won't start against Villa. Almost yeah, I think certain. I'd agree. It's just the way how does yeah. it. He, he doesn't normally just throw people in. I think Anderson will start. I'd love it if he does. In FPL, I mean, in fantasy football, he's only 4.5 million midfielder as well, so I'm going to have yeah. him in my team. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that you're right with Tonali. I mean, it's not it's not a sort of reflection of his pre-season. It's just like you say, what how does. And the only thing I would say is if Longstaff and Willick aren't fit for Villa and anything happens to either Bruno, Joe Linton or Anderson, then Tonali might have to play um, yeah. in terms of who we've got available. But, but yeah, yeah but Willick the last and Longstaff thing to say, are struggling, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the last thing to say just about the losers would be that just generally, I think the lack of pace at the back was exposed a little bit in goals were conceded against Villa and Chelsea. So that's another reason to sign a more athletic, pacey centre-back. And But then on the positive side, I know we conceded first in all three games, but we were actually uh, unbeaten over the over, over the tournament, over the summer series. So it's positive there that, yes, we've conceded first against uh, against Villa, Chelsea and Brighton, but in none of those games we lost. So it's good to see us Good to see it's uh, sort of even showing that fighting spirit in a preseason friendly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, brilliant. So that's America. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. And there's still so much more to talk about. Welcome back. So, Ollie, uh, we've got loads more to talk about. The Seller Cup weekend. When is it? What is it? And uh, what do we need to know? Yeah, so it's this weekend. It's it's in association, obviously, with Seller, the new um, front of shirt sponsors, but also Visit Malta. So I'm guessing they've got like a bit of a partnership going on there. 
with them as well. But anyway, it's Saturday the 5th, so this Saturday and Sunday the 6th. And there's there's not just two Newcastle games over the weekend. There's also a chance to see the Newcastle women on Saturday night. And obviously, when we play Villarreal on the Sunday, Fiorentina also play Nice. So there's there's five games over the weekend. It starts with Nice against Villarreal at half 12 on the Saturday. Then you've got Newcastle's first team against Fiorentina at half three on the Saturday. And the last game on Saturday is Newcastle United women against West Brom. And obviously Newcastle United women got promoted last season. And I think I've had a look and they've won all of their preseason friendly so far. And they've had a quite a big overhaul as well with new signings. So it'll be interesting to see how how they progress over the years as well. And then on Sunday, the first game is a one o'clock kickoff, Fiorentina against Nice. And then it's a 4 p.m. Newcastle against Villarreal. So, so yeah, it'll be good to see. Seems seems like we're absolutely battering our pitch one week before the season starts. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, just that, you'd think they wouldn't allow it. Yeah, you'd think it would be some sort of. Yeah, it seems odd that, but clearly, yeah, they're going to have the clearly they've thought. Clearly they've thought. Yeah, clearly they've thought about it. I assume. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd hope so. Are <laughs> so, tickets still available, so yeah, Ollie? I think there's a few left. I mean. I don't know. I know. I know. Eddie Howe did like a little chat for NUFC TV, kind of selling the the games and encouraging fans to come. And he said there is still a few tickets left. So, yeah, if anyone fancies it, go on the NUFC.co.uk website and be good to see a big crowd there. Um, good to see Tonali and Barnes hopefully make their debuts at St James's Park as well. And um, it's always good, isn't it? The week before the season, getting a little glimpse of the team before the big kickoff. So, um, so yeah, that should be good. And um, Interesting to see how we get on against some good European teams. I mean, they're all kind of Europa League level teams. I know Villarreal did do well in the Champions League a couple of years ago under Emery, wasn't it? But they've, but yeah, Nice, Fiorentina, and uh, Villarreal are all decent teams who will be a good test ahead of playing in the Champions League. Really, would yeah, it? so proper so yeah, proper clubs, yeah, proper clubs. Yeah, yeah, no, that's going to be great. A lot of people looking forward to that. Now, on the mention of tickets, uh, I, I'm not up to date on this, so you might need to tell me. But what's still this stuff about this ballot backlash and? People just being a bit uh, unhappy about how it's been done. What, what's what's going on? Explain it to me like I know nothing, which is almost true. So essentially, people who couldn't get tickets, so season tickets at Newcastle, it's been, it's come out that if you get a membership at Newcastle, which costs £37, you get an access to enter in a ballot for tickets for Premier League games. So the club have been last week selling memberships and obviously 30, £37 and this week they've announced that the ballot for the Villa game is starting, well, opening on Wednesday, so tomorrow, and shutting on Friday. The problem is for everyone entering that ballot, so obviously members who've paid the 37 quid, if you are then selected and you win your tickets, firstly, it's anything from a £44 ticket to a £74 ticket. So there's a massive gap there in how much it could cost you. But the big right. thing is you don't even get a say on what ticket you get in terms of where it is in the stadium. So you could be paying £74 to sit in a seat you don't really like and you've got haven't really got any say on the matter. So let's just say you put forward for three tickets, but they're all £74 and you're going to be set back 222 quid to sit somewhere that you didn't even ask to sit in the stadium. Tricky, and yeah. they didn't really warn. I think when people were putting forward for memberships, it didn't really, it wasn't very clear that A, the pricing would be such a big range, anything from 44 to 74 But obviously the thing about where you sit is completely up in the air as well. So... Fans just aren't happy because they feel a bit misled. They feel mm. it's overly expensive to play so to watch Villa. Um, if I bought a back, if I bought not a backlash, if I bought a ballot, uh, if I bought a membership now, and then I could be in the thing tomorrow, and I'd have just as much chance as anyone else is in it. Yeah, I think is it so. random. I'm pretty sure is it that's random? How it works. Is it like a random thing? A random yeah allocation? Yeah, I would. Right? I would presume so. Um, it's just the fact that if you win that, it's a massive gap between saying, "Oh, I've got a forty-four pound yeah, ticket." Yeah, of course. Yeah, to, you can't. Oh, you, you, we lose. 
yeah, we, we, we lose the ability to, um, it's like applying for, you know, Wimbledon tickets or something where you've got to choose the ones you might want and then you might get them. You might not, I suppose it's a bit different. Actually, this is even worse. This is, you would normally get a 30 quid ticket, but you yeah, end up with a 74 pound ticket. I mean, yeah. Interesting. I mean, what, yeah. what else, what else could the club do? Well, I mean, to be fair, I know that's one of the questions in the Twitter question. I don't know whether we should save that for, I mean, I don't let's, know if you, let's save it. Let's I think save it. it is. We could, yeah, we could save that for that. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk on social media. There's already quite a bit of backlash. I know it's obviously the owners have got so much right since they took over from Mike Ashley. But I think this is one of the things where it's very obvious from the initial response that fans aren't happy. And it just seems a little bit off to be A, not allowing fans to pick where they want to sit and B, having no say over the price they're going to pay. It's just quite a... It's just it. It seems like not a poorly thought out idea. But the NUS, um, NUST, sorry, the NUST, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, they've released a bit of a statement responding to it, and they obviously are in communication with the club. So I'm hoping they revise the the plans for at least the next home game. Um, yeah, it does seem, seem like the club, well. the club do uh, do listen to fans now, so that's good. You know, under the Ashley yeah, era, yeah. we just complain and we'd never hear anything. So, so yeah, exactly. we trust we trust those at the club, and you know, it should be all right. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. There's loads to talk about. Oh, gosh, this is going to be a long podcast, but it's good. Man United uh, expose FFP issues. What's this about? What's this about, Ollie? Right. So I noticed yesterday there was a big breaking news from Sky Sports saying that Man United have secured secured a record-breaking um, oh, kit deal with Adidas. So I looked at that. 900 million <laughs> for 10 exactly. years. Exactly. So the reason I thought to mention this is because people have said for a while oh, why can't Newcastle spend enough money? Why is it always FFP that stops us from signing players? And why isn't the budget massive now we've got Saudi owners? But obviously FFP is always being mentioned. And a lot of FFP is dependent on how much you're making from a com- commercial point of view. And obviously the commercial revenues under Mike Ashley were pretty awful. And the last deal I think that he struck was a 5 million per year deal with Castor for the kit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you look at the fact we're bringing in 5 million per year from Castor and the fact Man United have just agreed a 90 million per year deal with Adidas, mm. that immediately tells you that they're getting 85 million more per summer on their and the transfer more, budget. And the more you make, the more you can spend. Exactly. So, And, and I've I read as well, apparently, that every year they're in the Champions League, Adidas will also offer an extra 15 million because obviously their brand's getting put out there on the, the, the TV screens in front of the world and on the Champions League stage. I mean, so you, that would, might you would think this Castor deal, when it ends, will get a better one, surely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, there's been some talk of Adidas for a while. I think last season there was apparently a representative from Adidas at St. James's Park for a game, and that might oh, mean I'd nothing. Oh, I'd love it. But I'd love that's, it. Uh, there's obviously also the fact that I think there's some of the Northern Rock hits were uh, sponsored by Adidas, maybe the NTL one as well. So we've got a history with Adidas. Yeah, so... and the Newcastle Brownell ones. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. so I'd I'd love to say that. I mean, it, maybe it wouldn't be quite as lucrative as Man United's deal, but I just thought that was worth mentioning. It's the deal Man United have struck is eighteen times more than what we received from Castor. So, yeah. that kind of for me shows that at the minute the deals we're still dealing with from the Mike Ashley era, but also where we want to where, where we want to be. I mean, if we can strike a deal like that next summer, that's going to massively help us. Yeah, um, I mean, you're not going to get a nine hundred million pound ten year deal, but if Man United no, are getting no. ninety million. We should be getting 50 million a season, surely. Well, well exactly. Like, that's it, isn't it? That's, yeah, not five. Just, <laughs> well, yeah, we should be getting yeah, 10 just, times more than we're getting now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny as well. When you see all of this stuff that the Premier League have put out to try and stop Newcastle from making money, I mean, the, the seller deal, the, the kit sponsor was seller. We, we mentioned a few weeks ago, a few months ago, that it didn't seem much to be getting only 25 million a season, where, where some of 
the sort of Man City's or Chelsea's seem to get way more than that. So the mm. it's like the Premier League are almost capping how much you can get and making sure every deal is sort of fair market value. But there's Man United agreeing a nine hundred million pound deal while we're getting paid five million per year from Castor. But yeah, like you say, it won't be that big when we do agree with someone else. But it's going to be a massive improvement on on what we're currently getting, and it'll get us closer to Man United and obviously allow us to spend more in years to come. So that's that's the goal, isn't it? Yeah. Yep, yep, that's the goal. I mean, it's interesting as well. Just on the, just on this, just popped into my head. The the it sounds like the deal for St. Maximum is a bit less than we thought. Is that right? Yeah. So I mean, I know I mentioned on the exclusive. Uh, Joe mentioned, sorry, last week on the exclusive we put out that it was thirty million plus add-ons, but it's now come out that it's more like twenty-three. And maybe this is maybe an overly cynical, but do you know how it came out after this deal was apparently agreed that Premier League clubs had complained about? how much we were getting from another Saudi PIF-owned club and they were complaining yeah. and questioning whether it was a fair deal. Well, I find it interesting that all reporters are now quoting a smaller fee than they initially did just because there's been complaints. But who knows what's happened there? But £23 is nowhere near enough, I don't think. No, no, I don't think it is either. I think that's crazy. Something, yeah. I mean, if it allows, I mean, as if, we, we talked about last week, we don't need to go over it again, but if that if it allows us to buy a couple more players, brilliant. But, you know, it, you yeah, know, Harvey yeah. Barnes came in the door straight after we basically seemed to announce. We didn't quite announce yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Max, 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 okay. okay, fine. Um, right, let's take a quick break there. Then we're going to come back, just quickly talk about Livramento and then a couple of other things. Then Pod of the Week, Twitter questions and FYI, man. Let's uh, enjoy the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back, Ollie. Livramento, this has been dragging on now. I'm getting bored. What's going on? How much do they want for this guy? He broke his leg last year. What the heck is going on? <laughs> well, just before I went on holiday, I know Joel set talks about this. It was all the talk that was that a 30 million deal was going to go through, but then it very quickly shifted to Southampton have rejected that bid and they want 40 million. And then it's a case of it's a 10 million gap in the valuation and we're having to negotiate that. And a massive part of that, as Joel said, was that Chelsea have a huge sell on clause. Therefore, because of that, Southampton have to get a big fee to be taking a decent chunk themselves. So the reason I thought it was worth mentioning Livramento is that there hasn't actually been any direct updates on Livramento himself, but the news around right-backs at Southampton and Newcastle make me wonder if something's going on or something 
is in the pipeline there in uh, terms of it yeah. actually going through. So a Sherlock Holmes got... work going on. Go on. Yeah, that's it. So Harrison Ashby apparently has got a medical booked in at Swansea. Now I know he's a young player and he's more one for the future, but if we're sanctioning his loan move to to Swansea, you've got Javier Manquillo expected to go back to Spain. You've got Emil Kraft still overcoming an ACL injury. I'm not sure we'd be sanctioning Ashby's move just yet, considering the issues with other right-backs at the club, if we feel like the Livermento deal isn't getting closer. So it might be one of those where the Ashby deal is only sort of officially like rubber-stamped once we get a deal agreed for Livermento. But it's not just the Ashby thing, which looks very close now. It's also the fact that it's come out that Southampton are trying to uh, seal a deal for Max Ahrens at Norwich. So again, another right back. So if, if Southampton are looking to bring in a right back and they're closing in on Max Ahrens and we've just sanctioned my, uh, Harrison Ashby to go to Swansea, it wouldn't surprise me in the next few days if we see all the sort of national media come out with positive updates on Livermento and that the deal's like a compromise on that deal's edge and closer because yeah, I know it is putting two and two together, but it, it just seems like things are moving in the right direction there when you when you join or the dots a little another bit. right back. Well, that exactly. Haven't heard about. Yeah, it just it does suggest a right back is on the way, doesn't it? Um, exactly. Yeah. It sounds like we're po- we're we're confident a right back's on the way. It sounds like it might be Livermento, but maybe someone else. But yeah, okay, that's positive yeah. signs. That's good. Just a couple more things, uh, Ollie. I know uh, these. I didn't write these down, but just they've jumped into my head. First of all, the Amazon documentary. You're excited. I asked Joel last week. It looks Ooh, yeah. proper good, doesn't it? I think it comes out what the the day Premier League kicks off, which is not this Friday, but next Friday. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's the first episode. I can't remember when the second, third is. There, is the four episodes in total? Yeah, well, I think so. I yeah. think then probably once a week after that. But I think as soon as the first one's done, we should we should watch it immediately and Ooh. then record a pod. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'll be to. good. You know, it'll be yeah, so that, good. Yeah, I can't even wait if it's like it. one I mean... in the morning. We're finished. We wait. We'll wait till midnight when it comes out. We'll watch it for an hour. And we'll jump on a pod at one a.m. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was sat, obviously I was on holiday and I was, when it came out, I was trying to listen to it. I didn't have my headphones. I was sat by the pool and I didn't have my headphones. And I said, right. I said, I said to my wife, I said, when we get back to the room, I'm going to, we're going to, we need to watch this. And she's not even a Newcastle fan. She's not even from yeah. Newcastle. And I was just telling her like, oh, we need to get, we need to watch this. And I convinced her to watch it with me. And even she said it looked pretty good. So, so yeah, I can't wait for that. And I think we'll see a different side to Eddie Howe. I think we'll see how the club works behind the scenes. And it was obviously such a massive season, wasn't it? Going from fighting relegation the previous year to then breaking into the top four so yeah i can't wait for that it'll be mint last thing before we go to poll of the week twitter questions and fyi man the ball this ball in play rule i saw you tweet about it on NOC blog mm. and i found it really interesting so do you want to just explain what's going on here yeah so the premier league are going to adopt i mean the people that have seen at the world cup rather than um well so they let play go on when the ball was out of play but they always factored in how long the ball was out of play and therefore we saw 10 minutes added on at the end of the first half or mm. something stupid added on in, at the end of the second half. So it seems like now to try and stop teams wasting time and making the most of having the ball out of play, they're going to actually add on that time where the ball isn't in play because apparently last season, the average the average game in terms of when the ball was in play was 55 minutes long, which mm. seems crazy to me. If, if we're now going to make sure the game is 90 minutes, that it it's mad considering considering all the fixture congestion we see these days to then go from an average of 55 minutes per game to ensure it's always 90. Um, that's men- that's mad. That's like 20 minutes extra time at half time, oh, yeah. full time. But again, that's 40 more minutes, wonder. 35 more minutes, flipping out. I mean, for one, this feels, I mean, it's not all about Newcastle, even though it makes us wonder. I know we've had so many complaints about time wasting and Ten Hag said before the cup final, oh, Newcastle don't have the ball in play. They don't want to play properly. And, 
Um, so there's been complaints, but one thing that it makes me wonder is, is this some t- the Premier League wanting to protect the elite clubs? Because if we're going from 55 minutes ball of the ball in play to 90, and there's therefore more substitutes needed over that last 20, 30 minutes of the game, Man City can bring on Phil Foden or Alvarez or Laporte at the back, whereas a lot of clubs towards the bottom of the league or even mid-table clubs haven't got the luxury of bringing on star players when when they really need it in the last 30, 40 minutes. And it'll become even more important now if we're talking about having an extra like 10 minutes added on and things like that. So mm. it makes you wonder, maybe that's, again, that's me being cynical, but it just feels like a bit of an odd rule to bring in. And the, and the timing of it, when there's so much fixture congestion these days, just seems a bit weird. And is it a good thing for Newcastle? I know we're a high energy team and we're really fit under Eddie Howe, but if we are fighting on four fronts this season with I got criticised for saying we have a relatively small squad, but I think, yes, we have numbers, but we haven't always got strength and depth mm. um, in certain areas. So it might make it tough for us if we want to keep keep going with our high-intensity all-action style to be playing an average of 55 minutes one year and then in the next season when we're also playing in the Champions League going to the full 90. It's going to be tough, but it impacts everyone, doesn't it? It's just a bit of a funny one to me. Yeah. Okay, let's go to uh, the, that was the kind of weekly roundup. Let's go to the poll of the week. So what was the poll that went out? If you don't know what this is, each week on Twitter, we put out a poll in association with Tomb Polls, who retweets it. Uh, and we discussed the results. So what is it this week, Ollie? Right. So I just thought in light of the US tour and coming into the, the last sort of preseason games in the new season, I thought I'd ask, who are you most excited to watch next season? And it was hard to pick four players who've stood out, but I went with Elliot Anderson, Anthony Gordon, Sandro Tonali, and Harvey Barnes. So I did mention it as a comment on the tweet there that it felt a little bit harsh to leave Lewis Miley out because obviously he was our breakthrough star over preseason and mm. there's huge hopes for him. But I think it's probably better for me to put in our two new signings, our two big money signings in Barnes and Tonali, our top performer over preseason in Anderson. And then arguably our most improved player in Gordon, just generally, because he's come back over the summer with the England under-21s doing so well and then looking good in pre-season. And I think we all know the Miley hype and we know he's going to get minutes across all comps next season, but it not be a regular. So I went for those four. Um, who would you go for, Ed? What would your vote be? Um, oh, it's tricky, you know. You could make a case for all of them. Anthony Gordon has had an amazing mm. summer. Elliot Anderson looks like he's really starting to be first-team sort of standard well maybe maybe not you know not a bruno standard but he could he could get in our team and it, he wouldn't look like a sore thumb Tonali's exciting because he's the new signing harvey barnes is exciting because he's he's just he's just a good player he's got 13 goals i think i think for me it would probably be i think elliot anderson Ooh. um for the me. reason i'm saying ooh there is because for once you and toon pools haven't agreed Oh, no, it's the end of a beautiful relationship. Yeah. Toon Poles will probably say, uh, what would he say? Let's get in his mind. He probably says Anthony Gordon. But, oh, you're uh, wrong again. Oh, no. Right, it's so, over. Let's as ever, end this I'll association. Through... <laughs> yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, oh, it was good while it lasted. So, yeah, yeah. I, as ever, I'll go through Toon Poles' vote. So he said, my answer is Harvey Barnes. I think he'll get people on their feet and is the type of player Newcastle fans have always loved. Someone that runs with the ball at their feet and with purpose and hopefully end product. Then he's added to that. I think Tonali will be a classy and cultured midfielder, but probably just very effective at what he does rather than being exciting to watch. And then he added to that. Um, this might be the first time I've picked the last place option in a poll, which gives you a little hint. But uh, And also the first time he's ever not agreed with you. <laughs> wow. 
It's a, it's just very special podcast today, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, it's a, it's a record breaker. You know, me and Toon Pauls have disagreed, but there you go. Okay, what were the results then? But yeah, so he was a, he was right that he, his vote was actually the the least sort of picked option. So we had just over two thousand votes. In fourth place was Harvey Barnes at twelve point seven percent. I mean, it's worth mentioning just because he finishes bottom of this doesn't mean fans aren't interested because more than one in ten still think Harvey Barnes will be the most exciting out of those four, and they're all exciting, aren't they? But anyway, yeah. Barnes was fourth with. 12.7%. In third was Elliot Anderson with 23%. Okay. In second, Anthony Gordon with 25 And Tenali, 39.2 on top. Yeah, I would have guessed that if you asked me who won, I would have said Tenali because he's just yeah. the most... Basically, who's the most expensive player here? <laughs> Tenali, yeah, yeah. therefore we were excited, you know. But, but no, you can make a case for all of them. No, none of them are a stupid yeah. answer. Um, exactly, I mean... Tenali and, and Barnes are obviously you know, are going to be on our first 11, you'd assume, with Addison and yeah. Gordon going to be coming off the bench and stuff. But yeah, interesting. I think I think my vote, I probably would have just said Tonali, mainly because I feel like we haven't actually seen that much of him yet and what he's capable of in terms of his passing range and just having that quality on the ball in the middle to, to create. And I think he's actually, I don't think people have actually have realised yet that he's, I don't want to say he's explosive because he's not known for sort of carrying the ball and being a dribbler and going past players. But I think he's actually deceptively quick. And I've watched him for a... AC Milan before, and sometimes when he actually carries the ball and bursts past players, he's actually he's a little bit quicker than people give him credit for. And obviously, he'll have to work on that physicality as we saw against Villa. He struggled a little bit there, but yeah, I think his just quality of passing. I watched the under twenty one Euros when he was playing there for Italy, and his his delivery from set pieces and some of his passes from open play were so good. And I noticed that he does a lot first time, which was nice to watch against Rangers as well. There was a lot of first time passes and moving the ball quickly. So, and I think also you kind of know what you're going to get from Barnes, which may sound boring but actually it's a really really quality trait that he's always delivers on goals and when he cuts in on that right foot he gets away shots and um but yeah it would have, it's Tonali for me I think Gordon would be closely followed in second just because I'm really excited to see how he can kick on but uh but yeah they're all they're all there's and to be honest I could have named more I mean I've mentioned Lewis Miley there's Alexander Isaac in his first well not his first full season but the first full season where he comes in fit and can get a good run together. I think he could be frightening how good he could be if he if he stays fit and gets into his stride. Um, but there's so many options, isn't there? Yeah, brilliant. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back for Twitter questions and FYI map. Welcome back, Ollie. Twitter questions. This is uh, where on the NUFC blog, Code UK Twitter page, we put out a question each week to discuss. Uh, or no, we don't. Sorry, we don't put out a question. We ask for questions and we get questions that have come in. So, Ollie, I've got them here. You've sent them over to me. Let me ask them and then see what your answers are. So, first of all, one is from Mr. Williamson, NUFC, at Williamson something. I can't see it. But thank you for your question, Mr. Williamson. Uh, in this is the question. In light of the outrage, what do you suggest the club do in relation to the ticketing? So that's mm. the first part of his question. It's what we alluded to earlier and said, let's save it. What do you think they should do, Ollie? Because there's outrage, of course, or mild outrage. Outrage is strong, but mild outrage. Yeah. Um, disgruntlement. Well, what should they do? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this ticket ballot that obviously hasn't gone down well, I think, I mean, I saw the question here and one thing that came to my mind was sort of entering different ballots. So rather than everyone going into one ballot that not only could be £44, but could be at the high side of £74 if you get picked. And obviously with that, you don't know where you're going to go in the stadium. Maybe they could do, say, four different ballots, each with a different sort of price range, and then you can opt in to what you can afford. Hmm. Obviously, then the cheaper ballots will have the more seats, and then maybe the um, 
the lowest number of opt-ins would be at the other end where there's a 74 pound seat available but then people are opting into what they can afford and i think at the time of like a cost of living crisis and fans obviously wanting to go to games but maybe being reluctant to pay say 74 pound if they won the ballot that's going to be uh, announced over, well coming out over the next few days for villa i think that just might be a better way if the club can structure it like that because you might enter it thinking, right, I can I can enter it if I win a £44 ticket, but I wouldn't have entered it had I been put in for a £74 ticket. So I don't know what you think of that. Maybe they could stagger it into £44, 54 64 and 74 I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems seems sensible if it would work. I mean, I guess you'd probably have, whether you'd have more chance in the cheaper brackets or the expensive ones is interesting because although there'll be less people going for the expensive ones, there'll probably be less tickets as well. So yeah, yeah no, interesting, interesting. Yeah, um, who knows? Let's see what they do. Let's see what they do. As you said, that uh, as we said earlier, that the, the club listen now, don't they? It's not like the Mike Ashley days where they just don't listen and don't do anything about yeah, yeah, and fans raise concerns. So, so let's find out. It's worth mentioning actually that that was I saw that it wasn't word for word, but I kind of saw that tweet put out by a Newcastle fan called John Logan. So shout out to John Logan on Twitter because my my idea there was kind of kind of was born out of his tweet. So. Uh, Thank you, Shout John, out Logan. To John Logan. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the second part of Mr. Williamson's uh, tweet question is: Who will be the young Shah replacement? Ooh. I guess we don't know, do we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who in knows? a minute, it's hard to know whether it's going to be a young player or whether we're going to bring in someone who is quite proven. I mean, we've been linked with Joe Commanderson at Palace, who's a sort of quite an experienced twenty, like twenty-seven-year-old centre back. So it's hard to know whether we're going to bring in a really young centre back who's got pace and a real athlete who can offer something different, or whether we'll go for a life for like, which Anderson would be. Um, mm. If it was a young player who was kind of ready-made, or well, I say ready-made, young and can be in that Botman mould of our centre back for the next five, ten years if he stays. Um, one player in France who I've only seen bits of, but certainly ticks boxes in terms of athleticism and quality on the ball is Jean-Claire Todibo, who plays for Nice. Um, mm -hmm. I can't say I've seen absolutely loads of him. He was but originally at Barcelona, glimpses, wasn't he? He was Barcelona youth, I think. Exactly, yeah. And I just think in terms of his overall profile, as a he's a big unit, but he's also quite athletic and mobile, but also confident on the ball of stepping out from defence. And I, I've seen him linked before, and obviously with those links, when you're looking dig a little bit deeper and look at the player, I think he would tick boxes as that ideal partner for Sven Botman and someone who could offer that pace we lack. But um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see who we go for. I know um, Jake, who writes the blog, Jake Jackman, we were chatting a little bit about who might come in at centre-back a few hours ago and he he mentioned Antonio Silva at Benfica. Um, is okay. someone, he's only 19 and he's highly rated. So there's a name. There's also Scalvani or Scalvini, the um, Atlanta centre-back, another 19-year-old. So... Who knows if we'll go for a, a, a sort of experienced, ready-made player or a young one. But, um, but yeah, I quite like Todibo from Nice if we went for someone who was quite young. Yeah, okay. Well, we don't know, basically. And that De Sassi or whatever his name was, what was his name? Oh, he, Axel De Sassi, yeah. yeah. He's gone, hasn't he? He's gone to, uh, gone Chelsea, to Chelsea, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so... it was agent-driven all that time. Yeah, exactly. Um, Andrew says... We didn't want him uh, anyway. We didn't want no, him. Exactly. We never wanted him. I never wanted him. I, I, did, I just hated him. Uh, Andrew never says at... Yeah, at M R A J Palmer, uh, where in the ground would you pay seventy four pounds to watch Villa? <laughs> I think next to Eddie Howe. Next to Eddie Howe, yeah. Uh, well, on that, that works very well actually, because the next question is about Jason Tindall and being next to Eddie Howe in the technical area, because there's been a new directive from the Premier League, hasn't there, that the assistant managers now cannot stand in the technical area with the manager mm. if they are 
found to be doing it, they get a yellow card. So what on earth is Jason Tindall going to do? In fact, let's read the actual question because it's from Captain Amerimag. Nick Pope's hilarious kick the spare ball on the pitch to delay the quick throw-in shithousery against Brighton got me thinking. To what levels will Tindall go to to work around this new technical area double act ban? So basically, what's he going to do? Suddenly, Jason Tindall is not going to be the centre of attention. Is he going to be able to cope? I don't think so. I mean, they are literally a double act, him and Eddie Howe. And obviously, we laugh about the fact that Tindall gets in there to shake the manager's hand. I mean, did you see him in Pochettino before the Chelsea game? It was pretty much just Tindall and Pochettino and Howe was just on the side, really. (laughs) But no, I love it. They're like a double act. And obviously, that it's not only good to sort of get your point across to referees and give it back to the opposition dugout when things kick off, but obviously tactically as well, it's good that they get their heads together and they're really, I mean, it's just normal and an assistant and a manager, but they are quite a double act, aren't they? So I don't know how that's going to work, not just in terms of the tactical point of view and how they discuss things in the technical area. Obviously you can come out of there and go back to the dugout, but he is very like prominent, isn't he, on the sidelines? So I think his natural instinct is going to be just to go in there and stand next to Howe. So we might... We might see a few red cards for Mm. Tindall. To be honest with you, I think he'll just ignore it and just get a red card and just take one for the team. I think it's, yeah, I think what's going to have to happen is Eddie Howe will have to go back to the seats to speak to Jason Tindall, then out, then back, then out, then back. I guess that's why it's going to work, but who knows? Well, maybe Eddie Howe will just sit down and Tindall will just be on the side in his his natural habitat. Yeah. Who knows? It's going to be an interesting subplot to the season, so that'll be fun. Uh, let's let's go to uh, that's the Twitter question. Thank you very much. By the way, look out for that tweet. And if you've got a question, make sure that you submit it next week. Uh, let's go to FYI, man. Is that all right, Ollie? Yeah. You're testing me this week. If you don't know what FYI, man, is, it's a game you can play along at home. Ollie's going to list uh, a bunch of clubs that a player has played for. It might not be all the clubs. It might not be in the right order. And I'm going to have to say who is the player. It's always as someone who's played for Newcastle. I've got to say who is the player. So we put in some dramatic music. We'll do that here. Oh, beautiful. Ollie, go nice. for it. Okay. This is slightly Selicup inspired, I'll have you know. So you'll, you'll see why in a second. Okay. So, so, obviously, Newcastle. Okay. Villarreal. Okay. Fiorentina. Wow. Man United. Newcastle. Villarreal. Fiorentina. Man United. It was unintentional, but when I picked this player, I realised that Villarreal and Fiorentina are both in the Cellar Cup, so it's nice when things work out. Newcastle. Villarreal. Fiorentina. Man United. Play along at home, everyone. You might have it. You might be screaming at your phone. I could or give a hint. Or... Hang on. I could give a Man hint. Man United and Newcastle. That's what I'm trying to think. Okay, Man United and Newcastle, but also probably. Well, it could be Spanish or Italian, Fiorentina. And... Who's played for Fiorentina and Villarreal? Should I give you three options for a hint? Yeah, go on. You can either have the year he signed. Yeah. Or the position he played. Position. Right, he was a striker. Crikey. Um, A striker played for Newcastle and Man United. So let's think about the strikers who've done both. Louis Sahar's done both, it's not him. Andy Cole's done both, it's not him. Uh, who else has played as a... Duncan Ferguson's done both, it's not him. No, Duncan Ferguson's done both, what am I talking about? He scored against Man United at a great volley, he didn't play for them. <laughs> uh, I'll give you one more hint, because I feel like if everyone playing Tome needs an extra one, it almost adds to the... 
Yeah. I, I, if you're at home and you've already got it, I bet there'll be people shouting it. Go on. So I can either tell you what sort of signing it was, whether it was permanent and how much it cost, or whether it was a loan. Or I can well, that means it. That means it would have. It was a loan then. Okay, there's your hint then. Uh, yeah, that didn't do yeah. that very well. There's your no, hint. No, no, no. So, uh, <laughs> okay, we've got a strike. Oh, it's Giuseppe Rossi. It is. Yeah. I, I, I saw him score live. I think it was like a, a turn and volley. We had him on, on loan, didn't we? Did he only score one goal or something? Or did he score I mean, a bit more? When you said that, you saw him score for us. I mean, Wikipedia don't agree because apparently he didn't score. Did he not score? But maybe... Maybe he came on loan. Was it a friendly? I'm sure I saw him score. Let me just little have a little look, just because I mean. When I remember being. Bottom, I remember seeing him uh, at St James's Park, and he was outside the box, and he turned and sort of volleyed it. Maybe it just went wide or something. But oh, in my head, it wait wasn't. a second, wait a second. So he came to Newcastle in January 2007. So I was wrong with 2006. Wikipedia needs to sort that out. And then he scored his only goal in the first in his first start. Yeah. Um, sorry, the loan was until January 2007. So he did come in 2006. His right. his only goal was on his first start on the 25th of October 2006 against Portsmouth in the League Cup. That was it. That would have been it. There we go. I did yeah. see. I you know you I, were right. There's, there's yeah. a bit. Of, yeah, I did know he scored because I was there. It was at St James's Park in 2006. I was 16 years old, so I do remember that. So not only did, not only did you get the answer, you've proved Wikipedia wrong because they apparently exactly. didn't score a goal for us. So there <laughs> yeah, we go. Yeah. Well, it's because uh, I think Wikipedia does league goals, is it, or something? I don't know. Wikipedia is not, not never. Sure. It's never uh, too. Yeah. Too anyway, well done if you got that at home. Yeah. It was as soon as you, as soon as you went. It's on loan. I remember because he was really highly rated, wasn't he? Was it United, or did we get him yeah. on loan from somewhere else? I can't remember. But we well, got him on loan. Wait, you can't say United. You can't say United. Sorry, Manchester United. Yeah, good point. I I actually kick off when people say that as well. We'll get. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's I hear too... that. I oh, know it's awful, and it's even creeping into my mind because so people do it so often. It's into the lexicon, isn't it? It's really annoying. Anyway, I do it on thank purpose, you. So yeah, if on. someone says to me, "Oh, who are United playing this weekend?" I know exactly what they're meaning, unfortunately. But I say, "Oh, which which one?" Man United, yeah, which one? Sheffield. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Thank you very much, Ollie. That was great. I'm glad I got FYI, man. Right. Let us know if you did at home by emailing us at nufcblogcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the newsletter below. That's going to get going when the season starts. Uh, say so with a link on Twitter if you do like us. Five star us. Write a comment. Get involved. There's a tweet, two tweets that go out every week for our podcast on a Monday and Tuesday. There's one asking for questions. There's one for a poll with Toon Polls. Get involved. We're growing really nicely. We've had 15,000 listens now, Ollie. And this is our 26th episode, I think. Oh, how, how, it's, it's great fun, isn't it? It's great fun. Yeah, really enjoying it. It's been, like I said, I do so much for the blog itself, the actual website, writing articles and typing away. But it's actually nice to chat about about Newcastle and have a bit of a, a chin wag about it all, not just be typing on a laptop. So yeah, really enjoying it. And then really appreciate the support everyone's given it so far. It's really good to be on what 15,000, well, be more than 15,000 uh, views now. Yeah. So yeah, really enjoying it. Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, say goodbye, Ollie. See you later, everyone. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>